Welcome to another special uh, series of Holistic Resistance Radio. This is a special series we're going to have with Lisa Littlebird. And Lisa Littlebird is the director of the Wholehearted Choir. And it's a non-auditional choir that really is about um, sharing your voice um, and teaching you how to sing in community. It's a powerful, powerful community. And I actually met uh, Lisa through a summit that she hosted in... uh, uh, I think it was like Northern California. And it was really powerful because when we went as a song leaders, a song leader summit, it's very intimate, it's like 35 people. We were one of the few African heritage folks there. I think it was a total of three of us out of about 35 people. And this podcast and this series is going to just talk a little about that, all the echoes from that experience and what we learned around race, around connection, and around music. And so I hope you enjoy this special series from Holistic Resistance Radio with Lisa Littlebird. The first episode is with me and uh, Lisa. Second one, Portia joins us on the last two, um, second and third one. Enjoy. Love to hear your feedback and love to have you a part of this powerful opportunity to just get an intimate conversation around a, a gathering that I think could have gone a lot of ways. But I'm glad it went the way it did. I hope you enjoy this interview and this uh, special series. Much love to you. Here's the episode. Honored to have you. Um, Truthfully, I didn't know if this moment would come, but here we are, not because you didn't want to or I didn't want to, but it's always a miracle for us to be able to cross these boundaries and be in community. I want to welcome everyone that's listening, those that are part of the Holistic Resistance family. Uh, Such an honor to have you all and those that are part of Lisa Littlebird's community that either met me through flight school or other little things that are spread to the internet. Um, just want to honor that it's good to know you. It's good to be with you in community. And uh, I would love to start this podcast today, Holistic Resistance Podcast, around uh, just our introduction of who we are. And so maybe, um, Lisa, if you wouldn't mind starting, um, just sharing kind of a little bit about your story that feels applicable to this moment. I would love to hear that. And then I'll do the same if you're open to that. Sure. Thank you so much, Aaron. It's such a pleasure always to be in your company. Mm. And I'm so grateful to know you. Um, What brought us to our meeting was the great world of song, as is responsible for so many of the best relationships in my life. Um, I'm a song leader. I've devoted a great deal of uh, the last decade and more of my life toward sharing song in community and harnessing the power of lifting voices together. Uh, We're in a clearly interesting time a pause in many ways around that because of COVID, but um, it's still a very vital and active community and network of people. And one of the primary passions that I've had inside of this activity is in bridging song leaders with one another. Um, One of the ways that community singing has happened and voices have come together have been through events. Uh, primarily major summertime events like the the big Oregon festival in past years every August and the um, 
the events are always so rich and so full, singing from sunup till way past sundown, day after day. And it's one of the only times that fellow song leaders have had an opportunity to get to know one another. But because all the song leaders are also leading and working, it's never very restful. <laughs> and it's always too fleeting feeling. And so uh, an idea was born to set intentional space for a song leader summit where none of us were on duty um, as leaders, but were instead in a community as collaborators and allies. And as part of that um, summit that happened for the first time a few years ago, um, each subsequent year has been um, an interesting balance of both wanting to hold some sense of intimacy within the container by not inviting zillions of people, but also making sure that we aren't being myopic in our um, community and getting too comfortable by only inviting the people we already know and are like and are friends with. And we've recognized as a larger community singing movement for some time that the values we sing about are of living with an open heart, being in true relationship, right relationship with natural world and other beings. And as we've been singing into these values, we see and feel more clearly when we're not living into those values. And so many of us have acknowledged for some time that there are voices missing mm -hmm. in our circles. And there's been a great deal of passion and interest in bringing in voices of people of color and people who have been less represented in mainstream culture. And there have been a lot of questions about how to go about doing this. And how do we make inroads with voices that are outside of our current community sphere? How do we make our community more authentically invitational and welcoming? Mm. And so the way that we have been doing it and the way that um, Aaron and I were brought into each other's lives were through shared mutual allies, bringing um, other bridges together um, between friends. And so I am great, really grateful to Katie Ty Warren, who is the song leader responsible for saying, hey, I know these great people, Portia and Aaron, who definitely should come to this. And I believed her and I'm so glad I did. Mm. Snap. I appreciate you sharing I'll that. There. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that journey. I'm just imagining in my head, I remember I did a song circle in San Francisco as a part of a weekend workshop series I was doing. Um, and it had to be at Katie's friend's house, Ted. Um, and Ted was trying to get us to connect. And I, I don't think Katie could make it to the entire weekend, but could make it to the song singing circle and made it. And of course, it was probably like maybe 30 people there. And it was really powerful because we sang and we sang and we sang and, um, and we got done. And, and then, you know, Katie comes over to me and goes, hey, you should... Uh, what you talking about around singing and like all voice of welcome and like do you know anything about like the singing community i'm like singing community like what do you mean like community like community singing like i i mean i heard rumors of them but never thought it actually existed in a kind of organized way um she's like, well, they exist and, and you should know and so we got information and i uh agreed to come and sing with her her choir 
um, I think it's for the Living Room Choir, I believe. Yeah. And and that was really great to come and sing with her choir and to, to kind of collaborate with her in that way, kind of imp impromptu. Um, but what's, what the punchline ultimately is, is like, it was kind of a last minute invitation to the summit. The summit was kind of already kind of set up. She's like, I don't know if we can get you in, but I'm gonna send an email to Lisa and we'll see if you can go. And, and then my mother had a stroke maybe, I want to say several months before, a month or so before, not too long. It was, it was, I canceled everything. And I remember looking at the summit and I was like, I'm not going to cancel the summit. I'm not going to cancel the event at Thrive for the Thrive. I was going to speak at the, uh, two weeks after the summit, I was going to speak at the Thrive Choir or Thrive Church. Mm -hmm. Thrive Choir. Church Choir. Yep. Church choir. Um, and so those things I didn't cancel, was, I felt it was really prolific that I didn't cancel it. And even though my gut was like, I should just cancel everything. I was like, I don't, I don't want to cancel those two things. It gives us time and space. I can leave and mother can be cared for by our other parts of our family. And I'm glad I did. Um, but one thing I, I was, I was tracking is I remember telling Porsche, I was like, I don't know really what we're getting ourselves into. Um, I think Katie seems pretty down. I love to sing, but we just don't know. And I said, so you know, just, just, just go with the open mind. Make sure we get there on time because if we get there late and if we're only we're one of the few black people was the last thing we want to like show up. It's like, it's one thing we could have worried about that came up, but what, what it came down to is we wanted to also get a sense of the place too. Um, kind of see people come in and I remember us coming in and we were the first ones there and we, just, we weren't sure the right spot. Anytime you drive into like a remote house that's pretty nice in a rural area in your African heritage, you don't want to just like assume you're in the right place. Um, you want to hope you're in the right place. And then she was like, yeah, yeah, song summit, Lisa, we knew what you're talking about. We felt good, we parked the car and ended up playing basketball as people arrive with the first people there. I think no one else was there before. So my point is, is that kind of coming in, it felt kind of miraculous. I was in a unique spot because my mom was recovering from her stroke and, and I'm really close to my mother and care a lot about her, her well-being. So it was, I was really, I think, I, was, I think in hindsight, I was really raw in a lot of ways, like really cracked open emotionally in ways that I didn't like observe until maybe now in hindsight, if I really observed that. Um, so I just want to name that one of the things that feels really powerful in the context of us reaching is I came as a singer or as a song leader to participate in the singing experience and, and recognize there wasn't a lot of black folks there. Um, and that wasn't a surprise, but it was definitely something I was holding. And so I'll be curious to notice, and I don't even know if you even know the kind of first moment you recognize I was present and what your thoughts were, but um, I know you had just came off of a pretty int intense, I'll say intense singing experience. You were you're going from kind of like me and one, not at that moment, but I do this often where I do one intense thing to the next intense thing. Um, so you're coming off of an event coming into this one. And so I, I'm curious, I don't know all things you were holding that you want to even share here in this moment, but I'm curious about kind of your kind of coming in and then recognizing that you had you know, at least three African heritage folks present in the summit and then maybe kind of tell me the journey of like meeting me throughout the, the event that you were the leader of and you were the container holder of. I'd be curious what that was like for your end, kind of. I, I don't remember you driving up, but I remember you being there. And, oh, that's that's Lisa, and I don't know how we. I don't know if we formally got acquainted or not, but I'm just curious of how you noticed the the, the container you had built and how you're going to navigate it for the weekend as a as a facilitator and leader. What was that? What was it like for you? Yeah, thank you. Well, the first thing I want to acknowledge was a huge piece of learning, as you said, a coming in from another event. Many of us, but not all from this event, we're coming right off of another event here and driving two hours to get there. And as the event organizer, generally my personal protocol is to be the first one on scene, to be the hostess, to set up the party, have on the welcoming apron, you know? <laughs> and 
I was one of the last arrivals to my own organized event uh, because I was taking care of a whole bunch of details and picking up supplies for folks. And so as I rolled in, the group, which is a group of leaders and really adept at self-organizing, um, some of which I'd encouraged, um, was already going. And there was a circle happening and I had ended up just like weaving in and uh, my energy was low. And <laughs> I was like, wow, in that moment, I already knew I won't ever do that again. I will right. make more space for this. But what I also felt immediately is we're already group dynamics at play. And I felt behind the ball. And so my immediate first priority was to feel into the space and the people and how people were doing and to read the room, if you will, for um, distress markers, if you will, some of which were plainly visible in others. And um, I would say my attention went to you immediately because of, well, A, we hadn't met yet and you're being new into the community. I held an, an extra um, amount of desire to attend you and ensure that the group felt welcoming to you, but also recognizing that uh, you were um, having a different experience than the rest of us because of the color of your skin. And that is evocative as a leader that is a white ally because it, I get to confront all the ways that I want to do it right. Mm. And I want to really uh, be the good one, you know, and get the words right and not defend and and also really recognizing that getting all pretzeled up in my mind about those kind of right and wrong ways of doing things isn't of deep service and isn't the way to go. Like also really knowing that, but recognizing how much I don't know and recognizing that in the leadership role, all of my unknowing would be really visible. And mm. boy, it really was through the whole mm. weekend. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So good to be on this side of it. I mean, not that it was like hard, hard for me, but it was, it was, it had moments of intensity. Um, but I just appreciate, and I, I attend a lot of events, um, mostly led by white men. Um, and I'm not saying this is all white men in the context of what I'm about to speak to, but there's a way in which um, in my observation of your leadership, um, I thought to myself, uh, you adapted the weekend in some ways. You, 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 you answered questions and expressed when you felt like you weren't sure what the answer was. And I feel like to myself, because I, I organize and lead events as well, and I put myself, I can't put myself exactly in your shoes, but I was just one of the things you were navigating. You were navigating a bunch of different things that were outside of myself. You know, here we're talking about me, black man, and my uh, queer um, African heritage uh, cousin. But you were holding a lot more than that, and I was somewhat aware of maybe some of the other things, but not the magnitude of all of it. At the same time, I I saw this willingness to be humble but yet focused. And this is how I'm reading you. So if it's not your experience, please correct me. But humble but yet focused on trying to move the group forward and encourage them to engage with the hard parts of it, um, including yourself, like you, you participated in the, in the learning. Um, 
And for myself, I, 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 I only laugh because I, I think back of like how one sentence, one phrase could have tilted us in a much different direction, maybe not as productive of where we ended up going, in my opinion. Um, my curiosity, and not that you have to have this all clear here in this moment, but do you have a sense of what your strategy was when you arrived and you're weaving? You see this brother here, he's like six foot tall, 255 pounds, and not you knew those numbers by looking at me, but I was, I was a, I'm a bigger person. I'm not a small person. So if I get angry, you start raging. It's like, oh, how many people will take to kind of calm me down, right? So th these are things that I don't know if you're tracking or not, but there's a way in which you're like, oh, this is not like, you know, how do I track that? Am I curious? Did you have a strategy of like how you were going to engage or monitor or hold me in the, even as a facilitator amongst the 30 other things you were navigating? Or I'm curious, did you have a kind of, oh, maybe I will at some point do X, Y, or Z to help track, track Aaron. Do you have a, any kind of strategy once you notice what was happening on top of the list of things you were, you were kind of checking off and trying to resolve? Yeah, thanks for asking, Aaron. I, one of the, maybe the biggest learning of that weekend through meeting you and having conversations as the weeding, uh, weekend progressed was learning how much I wasn't tracking that. Mm -hmm. And your patient reflection of how awareness of one's positionality is so important for the safety and welcome of you. And it is something that in retrospect was quite lacking on my part. I definitely identify as a person who's generally quite trusting of life <laughs> and it's unfolding and so my intention coming into the weekend and space was really trusting of the organic connections because they all were coming from known and um, already trusted people mm -hmm. um, i would say if you had come in um, as a person not knowing any of us, it would have felt different. But because of Katie's connection, there was just this reputational credibility already established mm -hmm. from her presence in my mind and heart. So I really came in um, feeling quite open. And in general, with the weekend, my plan was a vague structure, but mm -hmm. with lots of room to move because I've been with this bunch before. There were about 40 song leaders, all of us natural leaders and quite opinionated and strong. <laughs> and this isn't the first rodeo of coming up against differing ideas about how to use our time. So mm -hmm. I spoke as the leader and organizer of the event, some intended purpose to help us focus and harmonize with each other energetically through the weekend but i also acknowledged that we would feel into what was naturally arising for people as the primary interests of conversation and we would organize in that way and it became very clear very soon <laughs> into the weekend within hours that a primary conversation top with topic within our community was going to be um, diversity, equity, and justice in community singing circles, which, um, yeah, made it really real because it, I realized it put you on the spot, in which case you may not want to be mm -hmm. on the spot 
And so I had to do some kind of quick assessments and meeting of you in a very brief way of kind of mutual assessment. You know, you're checking me out and I'm checking you out. And um, I felt really reassured so quickly with your presence, Erin. You're, I, I can say this now, but I'm not sure I could have named it then, that what I look for is I think two things in a person, and that is ability to self-regulate and modulate and be aware of their impact in all relationships, but especially within the group field, and be a general attitude that appears desirous of harmony. Mm -hmm. And I've really felt both of those from you. And I also felt just the wisdom and articulate capacity that you were demonstrating through the words you chose, the presence you held. Mm -hmm. And um, I, it was a bit of a leap of trust, but pretty quickly as a group, we decided to put a lot of our weekend in your hands, which I'm so grateful that you were generously willing to offer and to do these mini workshops facilitated mm -hmm. by you and Portia um, to go deeper in these conversations. And it was very meaningful to me and to everybody that I talked to. Mm. I'm so glad it worked out that way. Yeah, that was, that was, I, I, I guess we could somewhat, are, we, are you open to talking about the swimming pool? Um, totally. Kind of what bring us up? I say that because I don't know how much you want to reveal of uh, your workshop and that weekend. Um, I know this might go into the world and we don't know who all will hear it, but I think it's important because I think this has happened. I've done this at least four other times where this topic has come up around uh, closed optional swimming areas. Um, one of the things I'll back up a little bit, yeah. um, talk about putting the weekend in my hands, which is a very ambitious move. I didn't anticipate <laughs> teaching a workshop that weekend and it was an honor to do so. And what we came up with, I don't know, in 20 minutes or so, which is like little micro workshops so folks can go and either process what they worked on with us or go and rehearse and create songs like they were there to do in the weekend. And so they could kind of rotate small groups of, I think they're like groups of 12 or 10, maybe some groups were like eight. Um, and so we had some intimate time with people. So the group never got so big that we couldn't really hear and hold the complexity as much, even though they're small, 30 minutes. It was really a, I've never done that model. And I would love to figure out a way to do that again, maybe it attached to a bigger weekend. But all that being said, the, the kind of, I don't know if it was a, the peak point by no means, but the point where I, I, I don't know if it was announced or somehow it was, hey, we have a swimming area where it's closed optional um, for anyone in the workshop to swim at. And me and Portia kind of looked at each other interjectly like, and literally and like, oh, guess what? We can't go. We can't go swim. Not because we have anything against new swimming or swimming at closed optional. We're totally open to that and, and down with that. And we're, we're open to that. Uh, experience, but where we're we're cautious is that we were. I was a young black man, um, and that Portia was um, a queer black woman in a larger body. And the majority of the people there, the majority were white, thin-bodied women. Right? There were some variations, but that was say the majority. And so for us, we were like, oh, I I wouldn't want to get into the water or take off my clothes or be with someone without their clothes on if we don't have any clear um, noticing around the complexity around black men, white bodies and white women's bodies and uh, racism and where they are. And I, I could, and after doing a micro workshop with everybody, 
I think that was a good choice for us not to like start meeting each other um, nude um, in a pool. Again, we're in for that. So I, I went and checked in with you about, um, I, I'm using my own words and memory here so you could help you know, correct me if you have a different memory of it. But I remember checking in with you. I said, you know, I just want to know like, what is your protocol for um, if I go swimming and I feel violated or someone says something or someone accused me of something, is there, who do I go to outside of another white woman to, to deal with that? Discrepancy because I didn't know if you had like a board already or some people on call that you could reach for there have a um, not some people of color some black folks or some folks that can hold that complexity outside of the white um, controlled space and so I asked you that question if you don't mind maybe kind of responding or kind of give us a reflection of what your not only what you said maybe but what your experience was having me come to you and be like I have a concern it wasn't like your weekend was like roses at that point you already been listening a lot and I'm like, oh guess one more thing for you to think about lisa uh, but i was concerned and I, I i wanted to know that so that would i could get ahead of, i call it getting ahead of the trauma here but if we can get ahead of it instead of me going out i'm gonna swim and i'm gonna do this and you have to deal with something else of like someone from violated or me like i didn't say that i didn't do that i was just you know and then you, that's a whole different narrative i wanted to kind of support you in as a leader actually so you, i don't know if you remember that moment what you could hold from that moment of me sitting down and say hey what is your protocol with black men swimming in your pool, or in the your pool, in the pool, with your other participants that um, don't know me at this point, um, and have, haven't we talked about race and protocol? I don't know how I framed it, but do you remember what your feeling was in the background, but also what your words were? I definitely remember my uh, the conversation very vividly, and I remember my first thought being, "Boy, I have a lot to learn," <laughs> and that I had not considered that positionality that I had assumed a position of ease and privilege based on the experiences that I've had in my life in California. <laughs> um, I didn't have that prior to moving to California, but that um, the places and ways that I've moved in the world have been in environments where that is a normative thing and that until that moment I had not deeply considered what the implications were for you or for Portia and since that time I feel deeply committed to crafting a much more conscious plan mm. for that in the future and in the moment I remember just feeling like it was the inroads to our friendship really yeah. because i felt really hopeful that a you had the courage to bring it to me and not remain silent but b it didn't have the energy of uh you suck you're bad you're, it didn't have the energy of judgment um it had the spacious nature of what I now know you to be a really patient but clear person and um, like the kind of person I want to learn from. Wow, thank you for sharing that. I, I you know, it's probably the best, <laughs> I'm not trying to put you on a pedestal here, but it really is. It's one of the best conversations I had around that topic. Usually when I go to leadership or whoever the organizing team is around like, hey, you know, he has nude optional area over here for all these white folks and what's your protocol for black folks 
Um, there's a lot of freeze that takes place, uh, a lot of like defensiveness of like, everyone's welcome. We'll have a team monitor you as you swim and make sure no one says anything wrong. I'm like, <laughs> don't you understand how stressful that is? That like four white people stare at you as you swim, daring anyone else white to say something bad about your body or your blackness or your race. Like that's not integration. That's like, you know, but I, I can understand how they're like, they're trying their best to, to like, Aaron, this is for you. And for you to be like, oh, I, I'm hearing you, was a surprise in some level. Um, in hindsight, it doesn't feel so much a surprise in the moment, not knowing your story, your cadence, or your your how you handle um, tough situations. But I, I think this moment is important. And I, I share this not lightly. I share this really thoughtfully to anyone that is, even in their home, integrating um, new dot optional spaces and sex positive spaces. I am, I am so for sex positive and clothes optional and thoughtful um, environments. But I, I think there's a way in which when I typically bump into these environments, they're white controlled, well funded in that way. And there's no lens on tracking the history of specifically carnage. When you look at America's history, we see black folks being hung and particularly black men being hung they aren't being hung because they're stealing horses or they stole corn from a field. They're being hung and they were oftentimes attacked because of their acute, they're being accused of raping white women. And that, that narrative um, from birth of a nation, that first one that came to America is, it, it was set up as a black male as a predator. So there's a big, obvious, in my opinion, history of black bodies being, um, put in, 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 in uh, predatorial roles around white women. And so if yeah. we're not clear about that in, in, the, in our new creating space or sex positive space, I feel like we're missing a, a huge opportunity to really advocate and create a, a place that is accessible for folks of color. And so um, for us to have that conversation and not end with a shutdown or, or us leaving the workshop early um, felt like a, a massive interruption to even my reality and the times where I bring this up to people, they think I'm trying to spoil the party or I'm too, conser too conservative and I'm hiding my conservative beliefs behind racism. And it's not. It's simply trying to make it actually more accessible and more thoughtful, not only for the African heritage folks that might be present, but also for the white folks. Because, I mean, these trauma stories are, are, are causing harm for both. But in that question, post that, I don't know how quickly after that pool conversation, we decided to have um, a workshop series um, but what was significant about, I think, that conversation is that we didn't give up yeah. on each other. We didn't give up on, and I don't see that lightly, because there's some people that I, I work with right now that we gave up. <laughs> we, we, we connected, we tried to, we just like didn't talk for like six months, and we're like, all right, let's try this again. They come back, and I was like, Aaron, I was, we gave up. I gave up for a moment. We gave back. Some people have gave up. I haven't seen them since, you know, for whatever reasons, and I respect both activities, but me and you didn't give up, and I... I guess the question I have, because you're a busy person and, and I'm a busy person and, and with, with this particular climate, this is before George Floyd's murder on national television, but it was still in the air a very thick way. So I had a pretty rigorous schedule, but we didn't give up on each other after that summit and not to go too far outside of the summit, but I'm curious, even in that moment and throughout that weekend, what made you in my language not give up on reaching for me and reaching for Portia and reaching for your friends and your community to try and bring us together in a meaningful way when it was not in the curriculum, was not in the particular plan. I'm curious what in your heart or mind helps you not give up and have a 
in the middle of a singing workshop, a social justice micro workshop embedded. What helps you think that way? What bring you to that point of not giving up on that reach? Thank you so much, Erin. I would say, and now it's my turn to uh, try to not put you on a pedestal, but I feel like you are somebody that I was already looking for. Mm. That I have, my heart has been reaching for voices of color mm. who also hold those two characteristics that are values for me that I mentioned before a capacity to self-track, hold awareness and regulate, and one who's ultimately in the service of a greater harmony. And I recognize that in saying that, that that could be interpreted or heard from a filter of um, like spiritual all lives matter. And that's not what I mean. I really mean that this is a deep conversation that the whole world is clearly aching for, but it will only work if both people have a bare degree of capacity mm -hmm. and willingness to literally put aside their experience for a moment in order to hear the other. Mm -hmm. When two places, two voices have gone so far apart for so long, the reaches are going to be big stretches and that they have to be, both parties have to be willing to hear things that are evocative without um, melting down or going into a victim space or a freeze space or an aggressive space because from that place there can't be conversation and hearing. So what I just felt and saw so beautifully and have ever since is that you deeply embody a uh, remarkable um, capacity for generosity, for empathy, for patience with my foibles and for a willingness to stay in. So I really feel, as you were talking, I felt, wow, I really feel most of the credit goes to you, mm. that it was a harder place for you to reach to. It was already a comfort zone for me. Mm in this community because it's one that I led and created. So I just, I feel ever deepening gratitude for our choice. Hmm. Thank you for sharing that, Phil. And, and I, as we sit here, I want to just name, we're at our 30 minute mark, um, I'm kicking things over. Um, I'm at a 30 minute mark for our podcast at this moment, but we want to make this a series. We have, um, this is chapter one to our series. And I just want to invite your audience who's listening to know that we're going to, the goal is to make three of these. We all know that the world can change real quick and this might be the only episode, but the goal is that there's three. And one, we're examining that summit because that's where we met and we're kind of sharing what's going on back of our heads and kind of what happened in the event. And the, and the next one is like, what do we do after the summit? Not giving up wasn't just for that weekend, but not giving up was a choice to make weeks and months after the summit. And um, there's many echoes in which that summit activated for us in holistic resistance, but there's a way in which we didn't give up for each other, at each other, and noticing that. And then the last, so the next podcast will be about that and and what we we discovered in that journey. And then the last podcast is kind of like, what are we doing now? What's next <laughs> outside of this podcast? And what are we thinking around? Not just around songs and music, but also around social justice integration 
intentional integration and the, the nuances that could fall in there and how our positionalities have to be held um, and be noticed as we reach to get closer to each other, but also integrating our variety of our communities together. And so for me, I just want to not necessarily close, but pause this podcast here around a couple of concepts, not just if you're a leader and you maybe at some point in the future when it's safe, have an event that has um, a closed optional space to be cautious. It's not just that. It's, it's really about doing that personal work, the, the personal examination, noticing your personality. And I say that so softly, but there's many things that go into understanding who you are. We have a kind of a series of questions that we use and holds the resistance to kind of flesh out. But in, in short, that positionality is noticing your economics, your gender, your articulation, your education, um, the trauma stories you survived, and kind of putting those together to notice that impacts how we can show up or not show up for each other. And so taking that into account, um, I think is a valuable way for us to be uh, thoughtfully in community, if I can use that as a, as a background. And so I just want to appreciate you having this conversation. I know we could literally go for an hour and a half from now and not stop, but I, I would love to give you some space for any closing thoughts, feelings, um, or even questions for myself um, that you want to ask before we uh, end this first chapter of our reach here on Holistic Resistance Radio with Lisa Littlebird, uh, song leader, community activist, and ally. Thank you. I just have two things that just arose. And one is I just want to acknowledge Portia because her presence was very potent and powerful for me there as well. And in one of the sharing exercises within the framework of the weekend, we got to kind of deeply share heart to heart with another person. And Portia was the one I was paired with. And I felt very, um, stoked about that <laughs> little synchronicity because it was an inroads um, into a deep connection really quickly and so she was also deeply instrumental in the formation of this relationship i also want to acknowledge that uh, a main takeaway that i had and one of the main reasons that we are still in connection was because of your clarity at the end of the weekend, you said to me your experience, you shared appreciations for the time together, but you made it really clear that it was a drop in the bucket that will be evaluated not based on its experience by itself, but by whether or not we do anything with it. Mm you really articulated that straight up. And so it was not something that I could unconsciously make a decision about. Mm -hmm. I had to choose and say, well, I'm either going to let this relationship go because it would be easier or more comfortable to not confront the things that are evoked, or I'm gonna choose, as you say, to put on my marathon shoes and go in and lean in. And I'm so glad that we've chosen mm. the latter. I appreciate you acknowledging Portia, who is what was gonna be here today with us on this podcast. And hopefully she'll be on the next two, uh, but she was, you know, she's recovering from being sick and she got a really fatigued day today. But uh, thank you for bringing her in. Portia is a critical role in holistic resistance on multiple levels. She's my co-founder, but also 
there's a lens and experience that she brings that um, so much influences um, the integration process and the emotional labor. I think I spoke to this already a little bit, but the emotional labor it takes, even when having a good time. And I had a good time in that summit um, that African heritage folks and other folks of marginalized identities will have to and have to burn, carry. And for me, that's something that I so appreciate um, with Portia is how much we're able to have so much more capacity with each other. So not only is she a critical voice that's missing in this particular conversation in this moment, but she was a critical support for myself as I took on um, that weekend and, and built these new connections with you all. Um, so yeah, thank you for that. And I, I just also appreciate you circling back to the, what we do with this, you know, we, I don't know how many people go to great workshops and go, man, that was a great book. Or, and they just kind of sit it down and, and not, and not actually do any action to what the book was inviting them to do. It was like, they turned it off and they went on with their life. And I appreciate you naming the difference of like, that was a powerful weekend. Now, what do we do with it? What do we do with that, that new learning, that new ask, that new reach for our community? So that's really important. I actually want to invite that into the individuals that were witnessing this call and may listen to other podcasts or other um, uh, parts of these, you know, the series is what are you going to do with this idea? What are you going to do with this um, wisdom? And, and and I think uh, the podcast that I'll probably be sitting next to this one on my on my uh, channel is uh, the question that that we did a podcast on is um, what is your ideal African heritage person? Mm -hmm. um, we kind of break down what that is. It's, it's kind of a it feels unfair, but I think that podcast does kind of clarify it. I think that's something that um, especially if you're an organizer, if you're a leader, but I think everyone needs to answer that question on how they've been conditioned, how they might have been told this is the ideal person of color that I want to be with. And if they don't fit that narrative, I might back away slowly or I might not even try to engage or I might have an opinion. I might not donate to their organization because they're not my ideal black person. And so there's a there's a there's a there's a lot there. Um, uh, but there's something I want to just put into the air of let's notice that. What are we going to do with the thinking, the, the witnessing of your story, a little snippet of what you navigate as a leader. Um, what are we gonna do with that? Are we gonna just turn it off and go out our day or are we gonna start examining our own hearts? So that sounds like a great thing to note. Thank you for putting that seed there. So we're gonna pause our end our podcast here. We want to send love to everyone that took the time to be with us for the next, for the last 40 minutes or so. Um, and we're honored to do this series and we hope that as we you know go through this, that we have an opportunity to really answer some of the questions that were given to us when we were part of your flight school. So I'm excited about that podcast to get more into answering some of the questions that were, that were proposed or proposed that were uh, given to us. So we'll pause here and uh, we'll talk to y'all in the next, next version of this podcast. What the world needs now is more people, more people who specialize in doing, doing. What the world needs now is more people, more people who specialize in doing, doing the
more people who specialize in doing, doing.